It's about history. It's about preservation. It's about sense of place here on Eastern Long Island. With Esperanza Leon, I'm Erwin Levy, and this is Our Hamptons. Esperanza. My friend Erwin. So we have to go. All right, here, here I go again. Maybe, you know what I was thinking? I think I'm going to get all of this out of the way in the beginning. There'll be a lot of segues. We segue a lot on our Hamptons. I know, but it's all an adventure and it's all good. <laughs> it's all an adventure. And um, we have to also re- resurrect this Our Hamptons tagline. What you're going to hear is not ancient history. Yeah, true, truism. Right. So we're going to go to Leisurama. And here's the third part of that trifecta. Uh, I love this story. <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating. I mean, just the name alone. Come on, Leisurama. Does that not? It's evocative of ba 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 1960s. No, no question. No or question late about 50s, it. but definitely 60s. No question about it. And it's so it's a Leisurama that we're it's really um, early 1960s uh, Montauk, but it goes a little beyond that because Esperanza, listen to the cast of characters we're going to talk about in this thing. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I know you have this probably in front of you. Yes, we do have a little bit of an outline here. So, but we have the architect, Andrew Geller. We have the industrial designer, Raymond Lowy. Now, Raymond Lowy is not a household name, but uh, back in the day when it meant something, Raymond Lowy was on the cover of Time magazine. Oh yeah. He was the man. As far as design, yeah, absolutely. That's big time, okay? So, and then we had the developer of Leisurama, uh, a guy named Herbert Sadkin. Now, let's throw these two into the mix, Esperanza. How about Richard Nixon and Nikita Khrushchev? This is all part of the story. (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. And to round this bunch out, let's throw the marketing director, William Sapphire, who was probably better known as a presidential speechwriter and a New York Times columnist. And to round this all out, so in the same sentence of Andrew Geller, Richard Nixon, Nikita Khrushchev, we have the Montauk legend and Leisurama sales manager, Frank Tuma. Frank Tuma. I mean, Tuma is, is, it's like Montauk nobility, isn't it? It's uh, Montauk nobility, Montauk royalty, no question about it. Old fishing family, but he also a prominent real estate uh, family. They had the Tuma, I don't know if it's still there, the Tuma Agency, which was in Montauk for for a very long time. So uh, he was in charge of the sales. So, but I do think we, as always, we do have to give a little bit of a background of what Leisurama was, which, and we're going to tie this all in because people, you have, you have to say to yourself, what, are, what does Nikita Khrushchev have to do with Leisurama? Well, we're going to tell you. And so. Montauk. And Montauk. And Montauk. So Leisurama was essentially inexpensive prefabbed homes that were available for purchase. And, you know, the real storyline with Leisurama. Now, this is, this is before Esperanza's time. I was a little boy, would not have known anything about this. But in the early 1960s, these were inexpensive prefabbed houses. Um, were able to be purchased from Macy's department store in the early 1960s. So we'll get into this a little bit more 
a little later on in this podcast, but people went into Macy's on Herald Square to buy a shirt and ended up buying a house. I said, I was explaining this to my daughter, my 10 year old daughter. And I said, well, picture this, you walk into Macy's to buy underwear right? (laughs) and you walk out having bought a house. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just only, crazy. only in the United States of America, only, only in the United. And there you have, this was not planned, but that is such an amazing segue that you just did <laughs> only in the United States of America, because the precursor to this, okay. To the final design of Leisurama, which the architect, Andrew Geller, we could, he could be the subject of an entire, uh, an entire segment in and of himself, really a prominent modernist architect, but he was very involved in, in the Leisurama experience. And this design was shown at a 1959 American national exhibition in Moscow. And this was a really very historical moment in time. You know, this was the Cold War, communism versus democracy. Capitalism, yeah. Exactly. And it was a kitchen debate between then Vice President Nixon and the Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev. And they went back and forth over, you know, the merits of communism versus capitalism. Right. And And it was it was it was the kitchen debate because they were in the, the model home of one of these leisureamas that was being exhibited at this. Exactly. Right? So before this leisureama got to Montauk, this leisureama was in Moscow. <laughs> I, this is just... And Herald Square. <laughs> and, right. And, and, and Macy's Roosevelt Field, in addition to the right. plaza oh, yeah. in Montauk, where you could have bought these. But that this is just such a... It's a remarkable story. And so they... Nixon and Khrushchev, and there's a really ama- an amazing picture of this. Also, you could see in the midst there's of the whole this, video see, clip, by the way, and, too. And there's a, vid- a video clip of it, and uh, and and also we'll probably when this airs, we'll probably attach some of these pictures. But the, standing in the background was the next Soviet premier, Leonid Brezhnev, watching this. It was just the whole thing. And again, t- at the time, there used to be a Soviet news agency called TASS, T-A-S-S. And their quote at the time was, there's no more truth in showing this is the typical home of the American worker than say in showing the Taj Mahal is the typical home of a Bombay textile worker. Oh my gosh, that's so so perfect. Is that perfect? So they were were doing their Cold War spin, if you will. um, While of course, Richard Nixon was this is a modest little house for the United States, right? And so that's sort of that's sort of what this whole thing was. But anyway, so that's that's really the the cool history of it. But now, if we get back to Leisure Rammer itself and Montauk, I mean, let's take it to Montauk. This is where where it gets really interesting. I mean, I. I have to bring in, I, I have this book, which you could consider a coffee table book um, by Alistair Gordon. And it's called Weekend Utopia, Modern Living in the Hamptons. And it does have a chapter devoted to um, this, this era, this period in time and talks about the leisureama. And it was just a really interesting idea of how um, this Cold War period, uh, you know, 
was there was this selling of the Amer you know the American dream basically that you would work hard but you could also play hard that any you know lower to you know middle class lower middle class to middle class could afford to have a second home exactly. i mean this was what was incredible yeah capitalism at its best right you can work 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 but come the weekend you can escape to your second home and enjoy you know the bounties of of that place and to that point um that was really almost like a microcosm of 1960s America. It was the early yeah. 60s. Remember, this was uh, President Kennedy. You, you had a White House that they termed it Camelot. You had this young family in the White House. Uh, you know, he spoke of the ask not what you could do for your country, you know, you know, all of that, and talked about putting a man on the moon within the decade, which actually did happen. Yeah. So yeah. it was, I guess it was an, it was the promise and an era of possibilities. That's right. And believe me, that was these people, these developers, that's exactly what they were capitalizing on the American dream, because we got to go, we should really talk about the actual models of the houses. And this is, this is really a dialogue that we has really been a continuing dialogue on our, our Hamptons, how Esperanza uses this term all the time, amenities. Why do we need all of these amenities? Uh, you know, why do houses need outdoor kitchens and wine cellars and every other thing when aren't we here to be outside and to commune with nature? And well, Esperanza, to your point, the leisure-rama convertible, which was the basic model. There were three models, three leisure-rama models. We're going to touch on them now. There was the convertible, the expanded convertible, and the villa. But the convertible was a 730-square-foot studio with a Murphy that is, bed. That, that nowadays would be considered like a tiny house. <laughs> that, that's, no, that's, that's, that, that's the primary bedroom closet. Uh, basically. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Right, right. But the, the, this entire house was 730 square feet with a Murphy bed. And they gave you a mahogany screen. And that was the divider to sort of segregate the spaces. So you, it didn't feel like you were just in one big studio, which studio, essentially right. you were in one big studio. Talk about open concept living. Huh? It was op it was open concept living, <laughs> the essence of open concept living. But this essence of open concept living in 1964 cost $13,000, $490 down with a $73 a month mortgage for 30 years. So to your point, this was this was every man for yeah. every person. I mean, it sounds that way. I certainly, I don't know. I don't know what that means in uh, uh, current day money, but uh, it certainly seems like it was accessible enough that 200 of these were built in Montauk. Exactly right. Exactly right. And now just to give everyone the, the, the other sizes, you could upgrade a little bit, which was the expanded convertible was 950 square feet. That had a second bathroom. And, you know, the running joke was a lot of these people, you know, these, these were predominantly middle-class, you know, urbanites from New York City. 
you know, their apartment in Brooklyn had one bathroom. They were coming out here. This was, this was, it was a second bathroom. This was, right. this was this luxury was, really. This was way. unheard of. I mean, right? my mother slept in a bedroom in Brooklyn with her two brothers till she got married. I mean, this was, this was something that was unheard of. And then there was a third model called the Villa only wasn't very popular, maybe because of the price point. It was $17,000. There were only four of these built. These were 1200 square feet and with planned as a rental suite, but Basically, the, the models here were the convertible and the expanded convertible. But now, let's talk about how they marketed these houses, Esperanza. Yeah, I'm just so curious. I mean, and how what, the role that Frank Tuma played in this also. It, it, it's, it's just, it's such a fascinating story. And not just fascinating, it was beyond brilliant, if you look at it, because Sadkin, Herbert Sadkin, the developer, teamed up with Macy's. And the concept was this house is furnished right down to the dishes and the toothbrushes. Toothbrushes, yeah, like you, color coordinated everything, right? Col color coordinated toothbrushes. They, like Sort of like their advertising campaign is bring your six pack and you're ready to roll. I mean... <laughs> And your fishing rod. <laughs> and your fishing rod. And and that's and that's all it was. And you brought up Alastair Gordon. Yes. Um, and I read a quote, uh, your book uh, from that, probably in all from that book, where he said, Sadkin dreamed of making millions building, and here we go again, Esperanza, building Levittown with sand. Uh, you know, just um or Levittown. Again, I, honestly, it's I feel bad, but I mean, that's, it's not my words. It's Al Alistair Gordon's. You could take it up. You, you could take it up with him. So now we have to bring Frank Tuma in. Now, William Sapphire, we didn't touch on too much, but um, Herb Satkin hired William Sapphire to be the marketing agent and then hired Andrew Geller to design the homes at Macy's and uh, build it on Long Island. And he... They also used, they leveraged the whole Russian experience, the whole uh, kitchen debate. They used all of this in the marketing because it just, it was like very avant-garde. I mean, the whole, the whole thing, if you put yourself here early, again, early 1960s, it's just a remarkable story. But so they furnished it down to the toothbrushes and they brought in as the general sales manager to their credit, they didn't bring some up island person they they brought a montauk guy in locally here, sourced yeah uh-huh Lo locally sourced and so i read a, a story about uh frank tuma in here about this and initially when he first heard this thing he said it's one of the craziest things i've ever heard this is this is kind of oh, wacky idea is this i bet yeah i uh, i probably i would do that even today <laughs> i mean could you imagine be selling houses in a department store. But meanwhile, Frank Tuma sold 200 of these houses in six weeks. In six weeks? In six weeks. And he contended, and I think I might've read this even in, in, in his obituary, like, you know, an article about him, you know, after he passed away a few years ago, he contended he could have sold four times as many. Yeah. Well, so, so Sad, uh, Sad, Sadkin, Yes. had had bought the land right and and that was property in what is known as Culloden Point Culloden Shores Culloden, Culloden Point, Point. Exactly. okay exactly. um so he had bought the land and so when people would go into the Macy's 
they would get sold on this idea and that included the land, right? Correct. So you would be buying the house with the land and that was for $17,000 with the land? $17,000 if you wanted the villa, which was the, you know, that was the top of yeah, the line. Oh, right, right, right. So $13,000 with the land. Those were the most common ones, the $13,000 convertible and the $15,000 expanded convertible. Those were the most common ones that were sold. And yeah, it just... And you, you can see there used to be a film on Vimeo that for whatever reason they took off, but you could see these and people relaying the stories of when you were telling your daughter about it, yeah. they literally went into Macy's to whatever, buy a blender. To yeah, buy a, I saw one, the woman said, I, you know, the husband says she went in to buy a brassiere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and they ended up buying, it's just, yeah. And so, so again, they were, they were selling they were selling this dream and marketed it to the T, but as always, um, there were some results to this. Um, Negative or positive? Well, or both. both. I mean, first of all, at the time, and again, now Montauk always, we spoke about this in a previous episode, had the unhampton vibe and unhampton image. Um, but even Montauk, they said, wow, this is like, this is, this is sort of, how, what's the right word I'm looking for? They, they thought it was a little bit lowbrow. Like, okay. 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 You know, I, I don't know how to count exactly. Even catch. in Montauk, really. Even in Montauk, they said, wow. And well, we have to remember Montauk, you know, despite the fact that it may be unhamptons was almost the, you know, Miami beach of the North. Right. So and, there was and, that. And, exactly. And, the, and, and there were, and you have, you know, still the Montauk association with all those beautiful houses that we exactly. have summer cottages. You so had there was yacht, that element. You had the Montauk the yacht, yacht Club, Club and, and yeah, yes, the Montauk so Manor. Oh so, yeah. That. So there was, there was still. So people uh, looked down their noses on this. Yeah, a saying. little bit, a little bit. And, and again, this was, I mean, I, you've, you have, you physically have been in this neighborhood, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And I mean, I'm trying to picture because uh, Sad can plan 2000 of these exactly. and exactly. only stopped at the 200 because it wasn't profitable. So, I mean, I can't even picture 2000 of these jammed in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless he was planning on expanding because this is now again, these are, uh, it's really a fantastic neighborhood and it's got yeah. a, an absolutely beautiful private beach that anyone there can walk to any house is walking distance to uh it's a bay beach i guess that's on fort pond bay i would think yes i think so okay yeah. so um beautiful i i went there a, a, a week or two ago um just to walk around there knowing that this was coming we were going to do something like this and i wanted to familiarize myself which we'll get to present day shortly but it really was um Every house was walking distance again to your no amenities. You didn't need amenities because you were steps to a gorgeous beach. Right. And, and you, also you, you have, you know, someone like Alistair Gordon, whose family also had a kit house similar to this in Amagansett, um, a different company. But I, one thing that he, he wrote about that experience um, in, in this book, uh, Hem, uh, the weekend utopia, he said, smallness, and simplicity of the houses, right? Of these houses that forced one to experience nature firsthand, to learn tolerance and even to become closer knit as a family. You know, it's I like won't. an interesting thing. When not only that, 
you know, you, you realized he wrote about his experience with their house. Like they realized, oh, it was really small, kind of cramped and everything. But once they started living in it, they realized the access and the view that they had of the outdoors and the access to nature. And it kind of forced you to be outside as opposed to being, you know, cocooned in your in Correct. your house right and and and, it, and yeah i mean i thought it was so so interesting considering nowadays your you know your house sizes are so large you know in esperanza i think i think i think we're going to close on this because I, I think we, we really we have to devote a little more time to the present day and what's going on there now but um to your exact point of what alistair gordon was saying uh we recently spoke about the Sands community now yes. in Sag Harbor. And it's interesting how, and again, I guess it's of its time, evocative of its time. Sands was also, you know, 1950s. Right? This was a few years later, uh, early 60s. But such a, it really is a metaphor for the then versus now how then in Sands, then in Montauk at Leisurama in Culloden Point, the houses were small. Yeah. The, the, the Sands houses were downright mansions next to these, I mean, yeah. 730 <laughs> square feet. I mean, you know, Sands was whatever, 1,200 square feet. So, but, and to what Alistair Gordon was saying, we might, was very reminiscent to what we were discussing, what Mr. Pickens was saying, William Pickens, how the houses... It, it was about being outside. It was about family. It was about right. the, the friends. It was about community. Leisurama, I would bet, at that era, at that time, it was about community as well. So I, absolutely. I'm sure of it. Yeah, yeah. I know that that's, I'm, it was a neighborhood, you know, where all the kids would be outside in the streets or, you know, going from one house to another, just like you're saying that Mr. Pickens described, I bet. And and that's that's the beauty of, again, a place like this that, when we'll, I'm sure, discuss this further, but I wonder how much of that is really left. And on that note, that's going to be- We're going to continue to be continued. I think we have to do a continued to be continued, Esperanza, because there's a lot to talk about. It's so much. And about that, but um, good segue, by the way, to get us to that point, <laughs> as usual. <laughs> Thank you for this. Well, Erwin, always a pleasure. Can't wait to continue this. I'm right there with you. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us. New episodes of Our Hamptons are released every other Tuesday. Find them wherever you get your podcasts.